We have a birthday on the Tony G Show. I mean, it's not today. Today is not the birthday of the man in question. Close enough. It, it, it was Saturday. Will, you turned 21 on Saturday. I did. A very happy birthday to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. From me and Tony G Nation. Thank How you. was it? What'd you do? Any, any, any special? Any big meals? Went to uh, Sturgeon Bay with my with my parents and uh, with Mary. Uh, so it was really fun. It was nice to nice go out there, go over there. It was actually pretty quiet. So it was just a good, yeah. fun weekend. Didn't that, do anything yeah. fun or anything. So Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> As you shouldn't. Right. 21st birthday. Pretty calm. Yeah, that's not a milestone birthday. Had a glass of water, 21. too. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yes, sir. Good for Will McCormick. A happy birthday to him from the Tony G Show. Thank you, sir. This is episode number 11 of the Tony G Show in season 5. Why is this significant? Will, quiz from Thursday. Oh, boy. Doesn't listen to a thing I say. No, I listen. I'm just worried I don't retain. In other words, he doesn't listen to a word I say. We had to end season four of the Tony G Show at 10 episodes last season. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus got it swept the nation, swept the world, and we were blindsided with the, with the news that we can't get back into the studio, and we actually couldn't even be on campus anymore. We had to move out and finish the semester remotely from home. So there was no Tony G shows. Ten episodes is what we capped it at in season four. And season five, here we are, episode number 11, already, already 11 episodes of this season. And I mean, we're rolling. We are. I remember the first episode or two, we were kind of rusty and we'd say to each other after the show, man, we got to get back into the swing of things. Right. Here we are, episode number 11. I think the last four or five episodes, we've just been cooking. We have been. We've been like... We've been on a roll. Yeah, rolling. We've been Absolutely. And I expect it to continue. We had our stride. I mean, we have another very good episode coming up, Will, don't we? We do. Listen, I've been getting a lot of good feedback on the quarterback spotlights in the NFL, so I'm going to do another one. Remember, we did the Phillip Rivers, then we did the Drew Locke, mm-hmm. and today I'm going to be doing a, another NFL quarterback spotlight today on Kyler Murray. I think a lot of people are going to like the uh, discussion we're going to have there in the quarterback spotlight of Kyler Murray. Also, remember how we had NBA expert Jamile Brantley on Thursday's episode? Call. I, yes, I do remember that. Today we're going to have our college football expert as well as our NFL draft expert, mm-hmm. Matthew Swanson, on the show. We're very excited to have him in. That's going to be a call-in as well. Coronavirus, six feet away, whatever. Should be a fun conversation. It'll be a good conversation. We're going to be asking him all sorts of college football news. We're going to be asking him about the NFL draft for a quick second as well. Also, Will, uh, sad news. How we're going to end the episode. Uh, Tony G picks it a week. Very bad week. Tough week. Tough week. <sighs> That's okay. Got to have those to have the good weeks. I mean, you know, I it, I was eight and two in my last ten. Yeah. I was four and one back to back weeks. Uh, I was really confident about these picks because mm-hmm. they were all the favorites, but they were honestly what I, who I thought was going to win. Right. And uh, I mean, wow. I just uh, yeah, not a good week. We'll get there though. That'll be the final segment of the Tony G Show. Uh, before we get into it, as always, Tony G Show drops on Apple, Google Podcasts, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Yeah, tune in, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Give us ratings. I mean, we, we're we at a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it's 19. It's only 19 reviews. Compared 19? To like, it's, I say that only 19 compared to like the hundreds of thousands that the popular Dude, podcasts 19 is, have. That's a lot of reviews. 19 reviews. All of them have been 5.0 thus far thank you for the good feedback wow. so as always subscribe download our episodes listen to our episodes uh, again they drop tuesdays thursdays hit but, us up on social media if you want to hear something else we want to talk about too if you want us to cover a certain point we'd love to hear what you guys want to listen to will and i 
us two are very open-minded people. Mm-hmm. So as always, get to us on the social medias. Let, let us know what you think of arguments that we've had, what you want to hear about. Um, again, the quarterback spotlight, as I said, we're getting very good feedback on the quarterback spotlight discussion, so we're going to do another one today. You can reach us at Tony G for Days on Twitter, or again on Twitter at Willis5312. That's Will and my personal Twitters, respectively, mm-hmm. are on Twitter. So reach out to us at any at any point. I mean, we're always good at responding. You know us. We have to flood. We, we have to go through the hundreds of DMs and right. responses we get. Yes. Because we're so popular. We always famous. get to them, though. Yeah, but we'll always get there. We promise. And as always, the Tony G Show affiliated with SNC Radio. Catch SNC Radio at sncradio.com or search up in favorite SNC Radio in the Radio FX app to listen all throughout the day. A happy birthday episode for Will McCormick. Thanks, buddy. Let's get to it. The Tony G Show. You know, Tony, I got to say, I kind of miss, we got the little intro music playing, and now that it's, like, edited, we don't do, like, a little dance. No. Or at least I used to do a little dance in between. Well, see, I don't do that at all. See, it's it's a mixed emotion for me, because, sure, I miss it. I mean, we're always, you know, the Tony G Show, big on the on the personalities here, you and mm-hmm. I. But you'd always make me laugh, and that's the thing. We're trying to hold it together on a live radio. Right, because the, the mics are hot. For our millions of listeners worldwide. And Will McCormick's dancing like a goofball to our I think that's why you brought me on. He tried to make me, like, make the show bad. You know, it's, like, my goal is <laughs> no. just to make you laugh. No, the show doesn't get bad. It's no, just, okay, you know. I'm kidding. It's funny. You're you're a funny cat. I, I do miss that, though. I do, too. Yeah. Quarterback, spotlight, NFL, Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. Let's dive in here. I watched this Sunday game with the thought in my mind that I'm going to do a quarterback spotlight on Kyler Murray. I knew it was coming. I didn't do the preparation yet before this game because I wanted to watch this game and really understand who Kyler Murray was, the player, on and off the field. I wanted to get a full sense of his locker room presence and his impact on the game because everyone, you know, I feel like no one talks about him, but at the same time, everyone knows how good he is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird because he's in Arizona, and I feel like I feel like it's consistent from sport to sport that Arizona or or Phoenix, you know, that's kind of where most teams are. I feel like Arizona is kind of the place where players go to just be shushed away in terms of media national spotlight. And it's nothing against Arizona teams. It's just, you know, that... It's kind of how it goes there, it feels like. Right, that southwest corner of the of the country, not very much success. I mean, they've had success, but not like right. a New York or a Los Angeles sort of market, a Chicago type of market. It's just kind of where players go to be shushed away from national media spotlight. So Kyler Murray doesn't get the most attention... But it, it it he simultaneously has the reputation of being a big impact player. So I watched this game on Sunday, uh, Cardinals-Dolphins. And the Dolphins did get a win. It was a tough loss for the Arizona Cardinals, 34-31. And credit to Miami, they played a great game. Tua looked really good. He almost, you know, he's a really good passer, so I don't want to discredit right. his passing ability by saying this, but... I, th- I almost think he's a better runner than he is a passer. His his uh, pocket presence and ability to escape has been yes. very present. It was the same thing for Kyler Murray. It was identical for him. I mean, the, the presence that these guys have, as you said, in the pocket and then moving out of the pocket, extending plays, is something special. And everyone always gives Lamar Jackson the the sort of tab of being a, runner back, a running back that can throw. 
And they say it almost as a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. A mobile quarterback. Who cares? I mean, he's got a big arm. I almost think that same thing for Kyler Murray and, and Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, this spotlight is on Kyler Murray. So I think that same thing of Kyler Murray. He is a running back. The guy's got moves. He's quick. He's fast. And he can throw. Uh, we're going to get to that style of play and, and his character in about five or so minutes here. But before we do, let's recap that game again. Let's stay on track here with the with the Miami Cardinals game on Sunday. Dolphins, as I said, give them credit. Got a tough 34-31 win against the Cardinals. In that game, Kyler Murray, listen to this stat line. Very impressive. 21-26, 283 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a passer rating of 150.5. And remember, the max passer rating that a quarterback can have is 158.3. So he, again, Kyler Murray, 150.5, very high passer rating. Good, not great. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> above average. Slightly around average. No, that's very good, yeah, 150.5. That is uh, a very excellent passer rating to have in a game for a quarterback. So I gave you his passing stats, 21-26, 283, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Listen to this, Will. Rushing, 11 runs, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Wow. A little bit mad about that because I have uh, Chase Edmonds in my hmm. fantasy lineup. He's, he's taking all his, his – he's yeah. basking in Chase Edmonds' glory here. Sorry. It's okay. It he, he, play, he played good enough. Yeah. But 11 attempts, 106 yards, and a touchdown is – that's more than you could ask for a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's – I mean, like, that's more than what you could ask for a running back, which is why you say that comparison. He's like a, another running back. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, here, that's just his stats for one game. Let's look at the, the season stats for Kyler Murray. He is the team leader for the Arizona Cardinals in rush yards and rushing touchdowns. <laughs> okay, they have running backs on the roster. Don't be mistaken. But yet, Kyler Murray – Leads the team, the Arizona Cardinals, in rush yards this season at 543 yards and rushing touchdowns at eight touchdowns. At eight rushing touchdowns this season, which, by the way, is tied for third in the NFL. In the NFL. That's crazy. For running backs. And Kyler Murray is tied third, and he's also eighth in the NFL, top ten in rushing yards. As a quarterback. What? I mean, that's... How do you defend that? I mean, what kind of plan do you draw up to defend that? And not to mention the wide receiver core that he has. We'll get there in a second. I think I'm jumping the gun a little bit on myself here. Unbelievable. How, how do you defend against that? Yeah. You can only do so much defense, and a, a player can come up, and you just just a good player. That's what good you players can't. do. They make, they make plays. They pull plays out of nowhere. I mean, and they really make it tough. That's a defensive coordinator's worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. That keeps a defensive coordinator up. All week heading into this game. Right. And another stat here. This was back-to-back games with three-plus passing touchdowns for a quarterback and a rushing touchdown. Wow. One or more rushing touchdowns, I should say. So back-to-back games with three-plus passing touchdowns and one or more rushing touchdowns for Kyler Murray. He's the first quarterback to do that since Dak Prescott in 2017. And he is one game away. Again, three or more passing touchdowns as well as a rushing touchdown, at least one rushing touchdown in a game from tying Jack Kemp, who did it in 1960, three, three games in a row. That's the record. So Kyler Murray is on the cusp of some very interesting history here in terms of personal statistics. Do you see longevity with Kyler Murray, do you, like, or do you see him kind of fizzling like Dak did? I mean, I think Dak's still a good quarterback, but he's definitely not the Dak we saw in 2017. Here's, here's the thing, because with mobile quarterbacks, they're susceptible to getting injured, and we saw that with Dak Prescott this season, earlier this season. The thing with running quarterbacks, with quarterbacks who are mobile, 
they they're either going to last for the entire I mean it's it kind of goes without saying here what I'm right. saying is like non it's like common sense. It, they're either last their entire career with this style of play mm-hmm. or they they're going to fizzle out with this style of play. It, it seems like it's one or the other there's no in between is what I'm saying. Yeah, like it seems like at least quarterbacks that are more mobile tend to have like a, a quicker fizzle. It's they they seem to die faster. Right. Uh Whereas like pocket presence quarterbacks can stick around for a very long time, and as long as they can right or something like that, right? Like they can, you know, their throws might not be as strong, but if they can get it on there, then what does it matter? But if you if you can't run very well, then it's it's tough to play that kind of quarterback. And part of what will play into his longevity, I think, is his offensive line, and we're going to talk about that in a second. So we'll pick up this same argument in uh, two or so minutes here. So let's look at the style of play of Kyler Murray, okay, and his character. Um, the ver- the style of play what I saw on Sunday is continuous throughout his career Mm -hmm. i mean that's who he was in oklahoma he's very quick which helps him sell play action and play fakes i mean he he looks very very experienced at the play action i mean he sells that like a veteran and he has to do it very often because the cardinals under cliff kingsbury and with the quarterback of kyler murray are a very option friendly team are a very quick pass type of team are very I, i mean quick and tempo-oriented team. Mm-hmm. And so you need that. I mean, you need to trick the defense in order to not fall into this one-dimensional state of an offense. So it, it helps him and it helps the team, him being very quick. I mean, it just opens up everything with his quickness. He's quick and decisive. Like, he makes... Right. He makes his, not, there's no hesitation in this game. Yeah, and at least from what I've seen, his reads are very snappy. Yeah. He makes quick, the right read quick, quick. and fast. He doesn't yeah. give the defense time to adjust to what he's going to do. He is a very, like I said, there's no hesitation in this game. And you need that if you're going to be a quarterback with this style of play. And something I've noticed too with his style of play, and maybe this is just my personal viewpoint of it, but it seems like when he's going to scramble or make some sort of play on his feet, his body language doesn't show that he's running. Mm -hmm. And so it can be very confusing in a defender. If he's just trying to draw you to like, you know, if he's going to run past line of scrimmage and that, defender comes off the receiver if he's just trying to draw you and make the pass his body language is is very unique and it's something that's like not talked about i don't think that plays into pretty much the same thing that he's able to sell things because of his ability to just move Mm -hmm. i mean he's like a cheat code it's very impressive to watch him move next time you get the chance to watch kyler murray play watch when he runs with when he takes off of the ball he he really doesn't like until he's actually running and he's he's still looking downfield he he really doesn't raise his arms much or like if his arms are in a raised no. position they do not move like he doesn't like doesn't you know pump his arms like he's running or anything he doesn't really give a he true sign him. that he's he's running and that's just pure athleticism to be able right. to do that um, right and and furthermore beyond his quickness and his ability to move and extend plays he's accurate i mean he is very accurate at least he was on sunday i mean he was pinpoint sharp and I mean, you don't even have to be. So it just complements the offense in Arizona. You don't have to be that accurate with the wide receiver talent that you have there, and yet he still is. So let's look at his wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and of course Larry Fitzgerald, always very, very dependable. in the reliable. Arizona, reliable, always very dependable and reliable in that Arizona Cardinal offense has been for, decade, for a decade now. Listen, it's, it's special to watch, and... I look at this one play, one play that sells me on Kyler Murray, and it's not the running, it's not the 
accuracy on a quick slant or whatever, not throwing interceptions. The one play that I really took away from Sunday, a 56-yard bread basket throw to Christian Kirk, who was running in stride into the end zone. Okay, why does that impress me? Because everyone completely gawks at a Patrick Mahomes who does this. Everyone gawks at a, a Russell Wilson who does this. And Kyler Murray does this in a game, and you see it, I don't know, once or twice on a highlight, and no one talks about it anymore. The accuracy downfield for Kyler Murray, someone of his size and stature, is impressive. It is so unbelievable to watch. And now with these great wide receivers that he has around him, there's so much talent in this Arizona Cardinal offense that it baffles me that they're 5-3 and three now. I mean, something... I think it's the defense. I mean, and I, I, I haven't watched all of the Arizona Cardinals games this season, but, I mean, it, if it's not the offense. There's too much talent there for it to be the offense. And it clicked too good on Sunday for it to right. be the offense. Right. I think I think the Cardinals are really getting their their stars to align. They just have a few more things. They got to really... They need. They're like missing a few key key pieces right. on both sides of the ball right. just to be that much better. Right, and they've had historically good players on defense: Calais Campbell, uh, a Patrick Peterson, a Tyron Matthew. But to just put it all together in one season to match with this offense is something that I think they're missing. Right, a lot. And something I want to ask you about too: Do you do you remember or did you catch by chance um, back when the? Uh, Cardinals were playing the Seahawks. Okay. And that Kyler was a 20 Murray, G pick of the week. Yes. And Kyler Murray, they were uh, then the and the Cardinals were driving, and DeAndre Hopkins gets open. Did you see the play where Murray smiled before he threw the ball to him? <laughs> yeah. That's, it's just like it's charismatic. It's just yeah. I guess that doesn't really play in anything about how good he is, but I just thought that was kind of funny. I mean, it, well, it just goes to show his confidence. Right. It goes to show that he's not going to hesitate on that play. It goes to show that he's done his preparation. He knows that his teammate and DeAndre Hopkins has done his preparations, and they made it work, and he saw it coming. So all the credit to him. Um, the one thing on offense that I do think could be a little bit better is the offensive line play. And I'm not saying they have a bad offensive line, but I had to go to my uh, football outsiders. You know, I give them credit a lot. I, I use them a lot when I look up offensive line statistics. And just a quick, short and simple statistic here that I want to give on the Arizona Cardinal offensive line is that they've given up 19 sacks this season, and the league average is 17. So they're slightly below average in protecting the quarterback. And that worries me because it's not like the pocket is collapsing, right? Because Kyler Murray can flush out of the pocket. Right. So it shows me that the offensive line isn't preventing the defensive pass rushers from containing Kyler Murray. They're getting to him a little more often than the average around the league. So that worries me a little bit. Yeah. I, I, that's the one. That's the one thing I don't. If you want to get picky, this is the one thing that I think the offense could get a little bit better at. Well, and it makes you wonder too if that's why he's actually has his rushing stats are the way that they are. Right, because like, he has to flush out. Right, because these aren't. I mean, he's not running eight touchdowns on designed runs for him. Correct. Unless yep. I mean, maybe they. Well, a couple I mean, of them like, there's been, some, but, but no, you're right. There's no way that a quarterback should be. I say this like it's a bad thing. There's no way that a quarterback should have to put up 100 yards right. rushing in a game. I, I mean, yeah. you'd like it. I mean, you're not going to snarl at it, but no. you should be able to, to protect him a little bit better. It shouldn't that. It shouldn't be something that's consistent within a team. I mean, maybe that's the way of the future in the NFL and that, that you know quarterbacks will have 100-yard rushing games and 300-yard right. passing games, but right now the way the game works is that that's just not that – has, that has no longevity yeah. uh, merit to it at all. I would agree. I would agree. So – you know, we talked about his style of play. We've talked about who he is on the field. Let's talk about 
who he is off the field. And you mentioned the smiling when the when he's throwing to DeAndre Hopkins for the touchdown against the against the Seahawks. And that just goes to show, as I mentioned, his he's a, just a character. He's charismatic. He's positive. He has a good head on his shoulders, and he always has, even at Oklahoma. And to make the decision, remember he had the decision of playing for the Oakland A's in baseball or going into the NFL draft, and he had to make that mature decision on his own. It's a very tough decision to make, choosing which sport you love to play the most and, and what sport you think you're going to have the most success in. And he went football, and to his credit, I mean, it's working out thus far. Uh, he's been a captain every year that he's been uh in the league for the Cardinals. So he's always had a good head on his shoulders, but he's always been competitive. And what I mean by that is it's really encapsulated by what has just happened on Sunday, this loss. In the post-game press conference after the loss, Kyler Murray would take about 10 to 20, maybe 15 seconds in between the question and answering. He'd think about it. He wouldn't just snap, uh, boom, negative response, boom, negative response. He'd take it in, he'd think about it a little bit, and then he'd give a response. He'd give a mature, professional response. And I love to see that. I'm not I'm not one for these guys who are going to come out here in a press conference and completely bag on a per- particular site in the offense. There's no way you need to do that in the public eye, in a press conference. Kyler Murray, nope, takes his time, breathes a little bit, thinks about it for a couple seconds. As I mentioned, 10 to 20 seconds. So Will McCormick asked me a question, and I take 10 to 20 seconds in between his question and, and, and answering it. That just, I, that speaks to me. The guy is slow and professional mm-hmm. in terms of not jumping the gun and saying something that he will regret, okay? And the one thing, I'll, I'll give a particular example. In that, in that press conference, again, he took a bunch of time in between answering questions to think it out. The last question that he was asked, he was asked, what was upsetting him the most? Because he obviously wasn't, Himself, he wasn't smiling, nor should he have been because they just came off a tough loss. So he was asked, what was upsetting him the most? And he took 20 seconds before his final answer of the day when he said a solemn, we lost. That's it. He got up and then he was thanked and he was able to walk away off the press conference. That's it. A solemn, we lost. What was upsetting about him for the day? I didn't get my touches, no. Mm-hmm. The defense didn't do their job. No. Cliff Kingsbury needs to be better. No. We lost. We lost as a team. We came out here. We showed. We were we were very good. And even in this press conference, he mentioned that the Cardinals laid an egg. He said, quote, we laid an egg. <laughs> what? You put up 31 points. You yourself had a passer rating of 150 and ran for over 100 yards in a touchdown. You had four combined touchdowns. And yet we laid an egg. Right. This is a team sport, and he knows it, and he's going to show it. And that's a, it speaks volumes, I mean, about his character, you know, like, yeah. he could have easily have said, I did my part, nobody else did. That's what's making me mad. Oh, yeah. He could have easily said that. Yep. I mean, there's not much you can do, but you he know, took his time. with only five incompletions on 26 passes, three touchdowns, 150.5 passer rating. I mean, you can't get much better than that. No. You know? Yeah, like, literally. literally cannot get much better than that. The yeah. maximum passer rating, as I mentioned before, 158.3. He was right. 150. And that's that's something that, you know, that's a mark of true leadership is not looking at yourself, but looking at, you know, or I guess not looking at what other people are doing wrong, but looking at, you know, what are we doing wrong? What is right. something that, as a team, we need to fix? And I think that was very 
mature of Kyler Murray, and I, I believe his second year in the league. Very mature of him just to say, we lost and leave it at that. He didn't throw anybody, anybody under the bus. They're going to talk about it as a team. They're going to work on it as a team, and that's something that is very rare mm-hmm. in, in the, this day and age of sports in general. Yeah, you don't usually see that, especially with someone so young. Right. I mean, how many? How many? I don't want to make this a Baker Mayfield argument because he seems to be the, 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 what's the what's the saying? The sheephead or the the, the shepherd? The goat? Keeps, I don't know. The one where he's always getting crap his way. So I don't want to make this a Baker Mayfield argument, but you always you hear him voicing his mm-hmm. frustrations often, and that's something that Kyler Murray has. It not seems done. like a generational thing too that there's always it's always somebody else's fault, right? And that's just like kind of rare to hear somebody say that you know. It, you know, not to put the blame on himself, but he didn't take the blame off himself. Either. It was a team. It was a team right. thing. Right. Yep. Good for him. That's another uh, very good discussion in the NFL quarterback spotlight here on the Tony G Show. Let's move on. We got a very special interview coming up. Our friend Matthew Swanson. He's going to be calling in, and we look forward to this interview. Will, do you remember a couple seasons ago when we had our college football slash NFL football draft expert Matthew Swanson on the show. I do. That was a fun segment. It was a good segment. And do you remember last Thursday when we had our NBA expert, Jamile Brantley, on the show? I do. So that that kind of spurred me to go on today's show and have our friend Matthew Swanson on again, our college football and our NFL football draft expert. So that is who we have on the show today, and let's bring him in. Again, this is our college football expert, our draft expert, our our analyst. He's very good at what he does, our friend Matthew Swanson. Matt, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, Tony G and Tony G Nation. Hey, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I'm an avid listener, and I hope everybody else out there is too. Oh, of course, avid listener. Biggest fan here, Matthew Swanson. Uh, Before we get into it, before we get into it, we have to let the people know, at Matt M Swan fourteen on Twitter, right, Matt? Uh, any anything else you want to plug for yourself here? Um, no, I really don't think I have anything. I think uh, who I am and uh, what I say speaks for itself. Oh wow! Ooh, that's bold statement. <laughs> that's that's like gutsy it. right there, Matthew Swanson coming in <laughs> hot. <laughs> no kidding. Okay, all right. No, well, that's not that's not cocky. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? When you have the knowledge that you have, you deserve to be a little arrogant towards it. I mean, I mean, you've earned it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get into it here. A big weekend in college football uh, just last, I mean, this is Tuesday that this episode of the Tony G Show is getting recorded. Last Saturday, big game that I want to start off with, uh, our college football expert, Matthew Swanson. Uh, Clemson-Notre Dame, big overtime win for Notre Dame to upset Clemson. Again, Clemson, no Trevor Lawrence, uh, 47-40, the overtime, double overtime win for Notre Dame. It bumped Notre Dame up to number two in the AP poll and bumped Clemson down to number four. So I want to ask our college football expert, Matthew Swanson, is Notre Dame for real? I mean, I feel like they're a recurring team in the top five in the AP poll year after year, but they never seem to really put it together. So this year, Matthew Swanson, is Notre Dame for real, and how high do you see their ceiling? Is Notre Dame for real? Well, I mean, as you said, this has been a question that's been asked many times before, um, and we've seen them perform and get onto the biggest stage. But, however, when they get to that big stage, they're constantly a flop. I mean, you just you have seen it in their history, um, the national championship against Alabama, um, and that's just the way it's gone in several big games, besides the one this week. Um, and, Tony, to answer your question, 
I do think they're legit. Um, I do think they're legit this year for three reasons. I think the first reason is because they have a savvy veteran quarterback in Ian Book who's really underrated. The guy's very mobile, has a good arm, I mean, makes smart decisions, great leader. And then secondly, their offensive and defensive line is unreal on the offensive side of the ball. You have Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Kramer leading the charge for running back Karen Williams, who's an absolute superstar as a sophomore. And then their defensive side of the ball is no slouch either. And then I think my third reason is Brian Kelly. He has the experience, and he's overdue to achieve this year for once. So I think that they have a good formula. I think they are a top-four team, and the win against Clemson was great. But I think they still have a lot to prove with their strength of schedule, which I think is considerably poor. So I think they are a top-four team, but they are not one, two, or three. Mm, okay, interesting take there. Uh, again, the 47-40 double overtime win for Notre Dame and the loss for Clemson. So let's go on the flip side of that game, not Notre Dame, but Clemson. Again, Clemson okay. lost that game without Trevor Lawrence. So what does this do? do? What's their outcome like? Do you think that them not having Trevor Lawrence right now brings them out of a potential college playoff spot, or do you think they're still in the mix? I, I mean, personally, I think they're still in the mix. I don't know how you can count them out. They played with DJ Ugalele. Yeah, he's an absolute stud. I mean, he's better than probably three-fourths of the starting quarterbacks in college football and played well. Um, and without him, I mean, they almost beat Notre Dame, I mean, who's a top-ranked team with their backup quarterback. And, Tony, I'm sure you'd agree with me on this. Trevor Lawrence is just a generational talent. Correct. And you cannot discount that. Um, and them playing a top-level team without potentially the number one quarterback um, ranked in the draft, this upcoming draft, um, in years, um, I think they're they're in the hunt. And I think you'd keep them in the top four as well. Um, I said Notre Dame's top four, but if you can sneak Clemson in that top four at four or three, um, I think they're still in position to win the national championship. Matt, do you think this loss helped his draft stock, or do you think it not it didn't affect it at all? I mean, he didn't play, so I mean, I don't know how it could. I think right. for anything to affect his draft stock right now, um, there would have to be severe character concerns about who he is as a person and as a leader. Um, as a player, um, other than a couple interceptions and a couple games and a couple bad decisions that can be fixed um, by coaches and by film, when he sees it, he's going to be like, oh, wow, that was a stupid throw. Um, I don't think you can discount the guy at all. Yeah, I guess or I was coming from like the the angle that while wow, Clemson really held it together against this team without their starting quarterback, but I kind of I still agree with you that I don't know if you can totally discount his his uh, his ability after one game like this. So yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay, Matt. I I mean I'm sorry I have to do this to you, but we're gonna switch topics. You know what's coming, Michigan football. I mean, this is your powerhouse, a 38-21 loss at top-ranked Indiana. Before we get to them, talk about Indiana for a second. How about the season they're having, top 10 yeah. in the AP poll? I mean, they're really looking good this year, no? Yeah, no doubt, Tony G. I agree with you, but you got to stick the knife in my heart and twist it, don't you? <laughs> I had to. I had to. Here, here's where I'm coming from, Matt. I saw the loss this weekend, and then I saw some stats after about Michigan football and about Jim Harbaugh. And so I figured, you know what, we gotta we gotta pound this with Matthew Swanson. So here you are. This is your platform now, Matt. Talk about yes, Michigan football, and to sort of steer your your conversation, to steer your argument. I want to put this in your head. Jim Harbaugh's career at Michigan, 
37 and 5 with 37 points per game versus unranked opponents. And he's 11 and 15 with 27 points per game versus ranked opponents. So to steer your argument, to steer your platform, to sound off on Michigan college football, why does he never seem to be prepared for a ranked matchup? And and do you think do you think do you think he should stick around for seasons coming? I mean, let's talk about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. Well, Tone, I've tried to keep this car on the road for long enough, but you just steered me into the ditch like this last game did against <laughs> Indiana. I I don't have any more defense for Jim Harbaugh and his coaching staff. I used to back them up and tell tell them tell people that doubted me that the Big Ten was a tough division and wins don't come automatically, and they don't. The expectations that Harbaugh came in with were so extravagant. They were unreal. And he, for anybody, I think that would be unrealistic. He was expected to win a national championship. He was expected to turn the program around. And I thought that was unrealistic at the time. But years down the road, you look at it now and you're like, how can't they be turned around by now? Look at the talent they're bringing in, the coaches he's brought in, and Don Brown, Josh Gaddis is the offensive coordinator. They've just continued to underwhelm year in and year out, just have not played well. Offensively, there's no flow to the play call. Defensively, right now, they're the number 15th ranked penalized team in the nation on the defensive side of the ball. Don Brown has consistently put his corners on islands, and now he doesn't have those guys anymore. So he's expecting guys like Vincent Gray to be players that they're not, and it's eventually hurt them down the road. You've seen it in the past couple games. So to answer your question on Harbaugh, I think, man, if you don't beat Ohio State this year, which I don't think they have a chance of doing, I think he's out the door. Mm, interesting. That would be a hard fire, though, because Jim Harbaugh is – it's hard to say that he's flipped this Michigan program around. They're still successful. They're still competitive. But, I mean, like I said, they just never seem to be prepared for the ranked teams, the good teams, for the teams that they need to be winning against in order to propel them into a hopeful playoff scenario or a high bowl game. Um, before before we continue here with Matthew Swanson, Will McCormick, uh, go ahead. Matt, do you think the talent Michigan has plays a role in this, or do you think it's the way that talent is coached? Yeah, do you think it's scouting, or do you think it's coaching? That's a good question. Dude, I mean, how, how can it be? How can it be scouting? I mean, scouting, they have a top five ranked team or class every single year, and the talent's there. They got speed, they got strength, they got guys that come from top high school programs all around the country. Um, what I'm seeing right now is they're just not sticking guys in position to succeed. Like I said, with Vincent Gray, you're expecting him to be a man-covered corner on the outside without any bracket coverage, and he was penalized. I think it was against Michigan State. He was penalized five times for pass interference by just grabbing guys. On the offensive side of the ball, you see Josh Gaddis calling plays, and on first down, he's calling like he's calling a dive or he's calling a running back swing pass to Hassan Askins or Zach Charbonnet and they're losing five yards. So on first down, you're already failing your team. I mean, you have to gain yards on those early downs to get into the third and manageables and fourth and manageables, and if you're not doing that, you're not going to win games. It's just that simple. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I get where you're coming from, and I completely agree, by the way. But let's look forward to the future here, and in particular, the very, very near future. Big matchup, tough matchup for Michigan, this Saturday against, uh, you know, one Wisconsin Badger football program who, uh, you know, looks very good here, according to one Tony G. Yeah. Um, I want to get your prediction for the game because, I mean, with all things considered, of course, coronavirus has to play a part in just everything in our lives. So, no, no. 
with Wisconsin not playing the last two weeks, with Graham Mertz not playing the last two weeks, and missing a couple practices as well, do you give me your prediction flat out? Who you think is going to win? Do you think Graham Mertz is going to play? I mean, there's no real timetable on his return just yet. What do you, what are you looking for this weekend? Um, man, what I'm looking for is just like a, a Big Ten fight, knockout brawl. That's what I'm looking for, buddy. Okay. Um, in in terms of Wisconsin and Michigan, though, um, Mertz obviously playing is a huge factor. Right. If he doesn't play, I think Michigan wins. Um, I'd probably say by two touchdowns, and that sounds wild based off of what I just said, but I think they're going to come out motivated, um, and I think they're going to come out with something to prove, because the last couple weeks they've come out flatter than uh, soda that's been sitting out for five months. <laughs> you have to you have to look at them and say, hey, they're going to come in and compete. Nothing in the Big Ten is ever given. And if Mertz plays, I think still I'm going to say that Michigan comes out and beats them. Um, oh, just based okay. off of the fact that he's going to be rusty. I think that offense is going to be rusty. They haven't had uh, Paul Christ has been absent, right? He hasn't been around either. Yeah, he, he tested positive, I believe. Yeah, so there, there's an issue there. So I think I think Wisconsin's uh, um, dealing with a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with right now as a college, just in terms of COVID taking over. Man, that's something that you can't control. It's just there, and you just have to deal with it, with what you've got, and just play your game. So um, I think Michigan's going to come out this week very motivated, and I think they're going to um, pull one out. But what do you think about it? Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I, I think Graham Mertz playing does play a huge factor, but I, I just I don't know. I mean, it's so up in the air. You don't know what to expect. This would only be Graham Mertz's second game as a starter. In a season when he wasn't supposed to be the starter, Jack Cohn injured. So I don't know what to say. I think it's tough. I do think that the run game of Wisconsin, in the one game that we saw, wasn't there like it has been in the last decade and a half. I mean, it just wasn't there. They completely had to rely on Graham Mertz. He put up the numbers that he put up because he had to put up those type of numbers. He had to be that type of a factor. So it'll be tough to tell. I do like Michigan's chances in this game. If I'm going to be completely unbiased about it, I do like Michigan in this game. But, I mean, it all depends on on Graham Mertz, if he plays and how he plays when he does come back. We're speaking with Matthew Swanson, our college football expert our our draft expert we're going to get to the draft in a second here before we do will mccormick has another question for you if michigan loses against a untested wisconsin team it's going to be pretty rough for harbaugh hey (laughs) (laughs) well well uh i'd respond to that remark i don't know if it can get much worse but if it could they're gonna it's gonna be for this reason (laughs) that's all i got for you i just hear the sadness in matthew swanson's voice talking about the jim harbaugh okay we'll switch it up off of the michigan for you matt we'll help you off we'll help you up (laughs) a little bit here thank you pull the knife out pull the knife out i mean i won't pull it out they'll just stop turning it for you we're still gonna pound michigan with you off the microphone here nonetheless but uh, let's move to the draft here again. You're our draft expert as well as our college football expert on the Tony G Show, and I'd oh, ask God, you, I'd guy. ask you for your way too early top pick in the draft. But we all know it's probably going to be Trevor Lawrence, and we all know the Jets are probably going to have the Owen, you know, they're Owen nine now, so they're probably going to have the top pick. So I want you to give us your top three, your way too early top three picks in the draft. Yeah, Tolan, um, can I reverse this role really quick? I oh, got a boy. question for you. Oh boy, okay. If the Jets pick number one overall. Does Trevor Lawrence stay in school? Hmm. I th- see. Everyone. Everyone brings up the argument that it's either sign with the Jets or he'd have to stay in school. He could just not sign his rookie contract. Correct. I mean, that's an option for him. 
Yeah, I think Bosa did that a couple of years ago. Not uh, Nick, but Joey. With right, correct. And I think I think the case with him is he just held out because he wanted more money or incentives. I forget the initial reason, but if I'm Trevor Lawrence yeah. altogether, I just wouldn't sign. And, and I like well, it. you know, but it brings up this aspect too. If they fire Adam Gase and bring him a new head coach that is offensive minded, a quarterback minded head coach that can develop, then I'd sign. But if it's still Adam okay. Gase. Trevor Lawrence, do not sign that contract. <laughs> you got to go with Trevor Lawrence at one. Mm-hmm. Guys, the best passer I've seen come out of college since Andrew Luck, but he's a more mobile version. Um, and I think just from a pure talent standpoint, I think his talent is far superior just because he can run. Um, I project him to run, and I think he's going to run like a 4-7, um, maybe a four late 4-6 if he's lucky. Um, and then after that, I mean, I want to take – so what I want to do here is I want to take quarterbacks out of the conversation because I feel like Justin Fields could be a solid number two. Um, I think they're, him and Lawrence are going to be joined at the hip throughout their career just because these guys are so amazing um, as passers, as athletes, and I think they're the next gen- generation of great quarterbacks. Um, but I'm going to go with that number two. I'm going to go with a guy that I've loved um, since his freshman year, and that's going to be Penny Sewell out of Notre, or Oregon. Excuse me. I'm thinking about Quinn and Nel- Quinn Nelson <laughs> oh, right okay. now out of Notre Dame. This guy is an offensive lineman in college his junior year. He op- actually opted out this year. So actually it would have been his sophomore year. He opted out this year. Not going to play. It's just going to enter the draft. Finished in the Heisman voting as an offensive lineman. That wow. doesn't happen. Wow. That never happens. This guy has six foot six, 330 pounds. He can play tackle. He can maul you in the run game. He can get out on screens and run down the field. The guy's just very quick out of his stance, a sturdy run blocker, sturdy pass blocker. Um, I think if he plays tackle in the NFL, I think he has Hall of Fame potential. But I think if he plays guard in the NFL, I think his potential is that much higher. He can play anywhere. So, I mean, if you look at, like, Elton Jenkins as a rookie for the Packers, he's – Far superior to Elton Jenkins, I think, from a talent standpoint, a potential standpoint, but he can play all over the place and do all things well. And then from a number three standpoint, the third best player I have in this draft is, again, I'm staying away from quarterback, so Fields could fall anywhere in this uh, two to three margin. Um, I'm going to go with Micah Parsons out of Penn State. You look at this guy and you say, hey, six foot three, 245 pounds, a guy hits like a bus. I mean, if you, you're a running back and you're coming down the tracks and you see this guy, you are quaking in your boots because he is scary, he is mean, and he is going to come and smack you right in the hole. So that's what I have for my top three as of right now. All right, very interesting. I think that'll do it for you, Matthew Swanson. Thank you for giving us this time. Thanks for coming around. I mean, you're always welcome again at Matt M. Swan 14 on Twitter. Thanks for coming around, Matt. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks, Tony G. And for those of you out there listening, or for those of you that have not tuned in yet, you want to hear a professional um, guy that does things well, you tune into the Tony G Show. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, Matt. Thanks for coming around. Uh, we'll have you on again, hopefully before before the draft. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely for the draft, again, hopefully before. So thanks again. Sounds good, brother. Thanks much. Yes, sir. Matthew Swanson, he's always great. He's always good. I mean, he just sounds like like he He's knows these players personally. I, I mean, know. it's unbelievable the knowledge right. that he has. Very good at what he does. Again, at Matt, let me pull up the Twitter here. I have this information. At Matt M. Swan 14 on Twitter if you want to get at him. 
uh, with any of his takes. He always tweets out good information as well. Especially during, during draft time, he's got some oh, uh, He comes great up with the, his own picks? mock draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's only the first round. He doesn't go through the yeah, full seven. but still. But for a college student to take the time and put together a very logical right. and very methodical mock draft in the first round, ah. He's got a few picks right so far. I mean, yeah. although, although, on Wisconsin this weekend against Michigan. Right, true. Okay. Let's move on here. Tony G's picks of the week. Let's, uh, oh, I've been really trying to wait for this one to come up because it wasn't the best week. Okay, coming off of 4 and 1 and 4 and 1 in the last two weeks. 8 and 2 in my last two weeks. 8 and 2 in my last 10. It wasn't your worst week, though, right? It wasn't my worst. No. It could have been better, though. I was just—I just had high hopes for this week. Right, I thought I, I thought it was primed for another four-in-one week. I was going to rub it in Tony G Nation's face, <laughs> and here I sit. Twelve and eight coming into this week. Thursday night, Packers 49ers. Packers five and two, 49ers four and four. A lot of players out for coronavirus protocol reasons. A lot of players out for injury. And I said, I, you know, I don't know. This is going to be a close game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I said, take the over. I'm not a betting man, but I said, take the over. The over hit. I do believe. Yes, it did. Yep. And I picked the Packers in this game. And they won pretty solid, I mean, pretty yeah. solid handily there. I, Good I thought points. it was going to be closer, but, you know, 34-17 to win, a couple garbage time scores for San Francisco to window dress the score there. But nonetheless, Packers came out victorious. I started out 1-0, 13-8. This is a promising indicator for the rest of the week. Okay, Sunday at noon, Seahawks 6-1 and at Bills 6-2. and This was a tough game. The Seahawks defense is really starting to emerge to me that they are bad. They are bad. <laughs> I picked the Seahawks. Bills won 44-34. to Wow. 44. I mean, it shows the offense that, you know, the Seahawks can score 34 points. The defense giving up 44 to the Bills offense is pretty – I mean, I, I'm not trying to discredit the Bills offense. I love Josh Allen. He had a big day, but – oh, man. Might have, might have to talk about him soon. Yeah, that might be, that might be another quarterback spotlight coming up. Uh, depending on the feedback we get on this last one here on this episode. Sunday, 3.30. Dolphins, 4-3. Cardinals, 5-2. This was, we just talked about this game. Big game for Kyler Murray. I had the Cardinals picked, but nonetheless, the Dolphins were able to squeak out a 34-31 victory. Tua Tungavailoa in that game looked very, very good. You look, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it when they started him week two, right? Or like, yeah, it, or, it wasn't week two, but it was uh, when they switched over to yeah. uh, Tua instead of Ryan <clears throat> Excuse me, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We were pretty mad about that. We looked pretty. Uh, we got some egg on our face right now. Yeah, I think. I think we were mad about that. Either way, he's looking <laughs> I th- great. I think we're mad about that. Yeah, I mean, nonetheless, it was a good game for Tua and the Dolphins. They win and put me at ten losses for the season until Sunday night football. Saints five and two at Buccaneers six and two. One of the two losses for the Buccaneers came against the Saints earlier in the season, and they looked bad in this one. This wasn't even close. 38-3, to it was the Saints all the way I had the Buccaneers picked. Oh, man, this is brutal. Oh, boy, three straight loss losses. Sunday, Will, I didn't win a single game on Sunday. I mean, the goal is at least one. Right. Ideally, you want three. You want all five, but... Right. I mean, you want one. I didn't get a single one on Sunday. Whatever. And then I was able to save it on Monday night. Patriots 2-5, and five, New York Jets 0-8. I said the Patriots were going to win. And it was actually a really close game. Barely. You barely, barely saved it. The Jets were up, I believe, at 27-17 at one point in that game. Okay. Well, that was close. I was sweating through it. But nonetheless, Patriots, last second field goal wins the game. 
they looked bad in that game. So did the Jets. That was a terrible game to watch. Cam Newton. I mean, it was close. It was, yeah. you know, it was entertaining, but it was a bad game. Cam Newton looks pretty rough. Uh, yeah. Matt Swanson and I actually were discussing his mechanics. Just look very um, sloppy. Like he's yeah. got the strength there, but his his the motions he's going through it just looks very unpracticed and and just overall very very sloppy. So it's I I want to see him polished up because I don't I don't dislike Cam Newton. I want to see him succeed, but it just like. Missing wide open touchdown passes and overthrowing receivers by like three yards on a streak—it's just you got to get those. Yeah, I mean he did have a couple mistakes there, and we get on Carson Wentz for making mistakes like that. But I mean, right? Cam Newton's Cam Newton's Cam Newton. It, it's got to be a little bit better for him. Exactly. All right. So the two wins and the three losses. I am now fourteen and eleven on the season. Still above five hundred. That's not too bad. Still floating above water. We got another set of picks coming up this uh, this Thursday, and I look forward to that. All you right, too. enough of the sadness. Let's uh, let's wrap this up here, huh, Will. <laughs> sounds good to me. Yeah, sounds good to me too. A happy birthday episode of Will McCormick. Thank you. Yep, turning the big two one. I feel Turn, old. Or was it twelve one two? No, twenty one. Oh, oh, okay. I oh. feel old though. Like that's something I like thought of after you know it was like ten o'clock on Saturday night. I was like. What do I have to look forward to after this? Yeah. 22? Yep. I'm old. 26, you get to rent a car? Is oh, that it? I have to wait till I'm 26 to rent a car? I think that, Oh, I, I that's think terrible. That's okay, I'll look forward to that one. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've just been waiting to do that. I, I do that so often. <laughs> All right. Season number five, episode 11. Very special episode for the Tony G Show. Thanks to Matthew Swanson again for being on. Thank you for listening. This will do it. We'll see you on Thursday for Will McCormick. Tony G. We'll see you then. This is the Tony G Show.